We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you ready for rapid fire? I am. I've done a lot of talking today, so I think it's well, time to talk some more. You'll get a chance more to, to, to talk some more because the question is just what you were talking about. You set this one up. Do you buy or sell writing this season off as first-year growing pains for Marcus Freeman? And In other words, writing off the ups and downs and the trials and tribulations they have already had as Marcus Freeman growing pains. I'm I'm gonna buy that. It, it it's a first time head coach, right? It, it, never coached before. He's taking over a program where you you know you're expected to win. You could consider it's a top five program all time. You know it's a very very high level, very ranking job, right? They, there's a lot of expectations that come with it. You're learning on the fly. You've never been a head coach before. You're playing the number one schedule in the country. You know, there's I don't I just I, I don't understand people who don't want to give Marcus Freeman uh, some of these growing pains because there's nothing that we've ever done in life as people where we've attempted it for the first time and been 100 percent successful at it. You know, we all make mistakes. I agree with that last part. But like, do you think that Jack Swarbrick factored this in when he made the hire that, well, you know, there could be some ups and you know, like what are the lows going to look like? You know. What did Jack Swarbrick envision the worst of this season could be when you talk about growing pains for a first-year head coach like you're talking about? Because there were always going to be some level of growing pains. You know, the recruiting success that Marcus Freeman had and, you know, the, the video of the team celebrating all that stuff, it glossed over a lot of different things. There were going to be growing pains. We just didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. As great a defensive coordinator as he is and as great a recruiter as he is, he is still a first-time head coach. So I, I will give you that to an extent. You know, there were going to be some things come up that he had never dealt with just because he was a first-year head coach. You know, that's the nature of being a first-time anything, you know, kind of like you were alluding to. You know, like it's one thing to work at Walmart and even like be the manager of a Walmart, but it's another thing to own Walmart, right? Like there's a huge <laughs> difference in, in in there. So from that aspect, growing pains were to be expected. The question was just what form would they take? How big would they be? You know, like we haven't seen, see, like I thought maybe they would man, manifest themselves in like more game management type issues. You know, he's gone. You know, we haven't seen a whole lot of those. He's gone for it on fourth down quite a bit, six times. They've only succeeded twice on fourth down. 
like his sideline demeanor. That's a, a big thing now too. And to me, that's something that gets more attention than it deserves. Like when things aren't going bad, you know, purple face wasn't a, you know, it was a bigger issue when Notre Dame was eight and four than when they were 12 and zero, for example, you know, and, and like they keep cutting over to Marcus Freeman and, you know, he doesn't have, you know, he's not all like everyone reacted to it, to the extreme when the former coach was going nuts. And now you've got a coach, you know, who is calm in his demeanor on the sideline and relatively expressionless and everyone's flipping out about it. Like Tom Landry was, is a hall of fame head coach. And he was known as the stoic coach on the sideline. He was, you know, very, you know, icy, cool, and emotionless on the sideline. It worked for him. So like, I, you know, like that, not a big issue to me. The biggest issue I have, I think probably, you know, with the, with the, with the growing pains argument, is people that keep wanting to say things like, well, Davo Sweeney lost 12 games in his first two seasons. You know, you just got to give him time. Well, the problem with that argument is Sweeney took over a program that was averaging five-plus losses a year for like 15 years. Marcus Freeman took over a program that had only lost seven games over the previous four years combined. You know, so acceptable growing pains to me this year would have been, okay, you're still going to lose to Ohio State. You're still going to lose to Clemson. Maybe even lose to USC. It would suck because it's your rival, but maybe even still lose to them. You know, like those would be your three losses. And to lose to Marshall and to a bad Stanford team, when you take over a program that's gone 43 and seven over the last four years, you know, because the talent in the program right now is every bit as comparable to the talent that those teams had coming into this year. So that's why, to me, it's a tougher pill to swallow what we're seeing. The kind of things that we're seeing, that's that's the troubling thing to me, I guess. Yeah, I, first, I just... You know, first time head coach or not. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It just seems I am a little bit more sympathetic uh, than than some people. You know, there's still a lot of transition offensively. You know, new quarterback, 
not knowing who your lead running back is going to be. Obviously, questions at wide receiver doesn't help. And so, you know, then you lose your quarterback halfway through your first couple games. There's just just a lot going on. Like I said, first time head coach, but you can't lose to Marshall, right? You can't lose to Stanford after they haven't haven't won against 11 straight FBS teams. I get those things. You know, I'm not excusing those losses, but at the same time, you know, what what kind of conversation are we going to have if Notre Dame ends the season by beating Syracuse, Clemson, and USC? You know, what 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 are we going to be talking about then? I, yeah. I just I, I get, you know, it's 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 good to talk about these things now. There's still a lot of season left, and I, I'd still like to give him benefit of the doubt of an entire resume of work. You know, it can't it, like I said, if, I, I guarantee half the people in here are going to have a way different tone if Notre Dame beats Syracuse. Clemson and USC and, no, and Tommy fair. Reese calls a great game and Marcus Freeman wins those games. I just right now, yes. Has has there been growing pains? Yes. Has there been underperformance? Yes. But there's still a lot that he can prove with the rest of the season, and I think that a lot of it can be made up for by beating those three teams I just talked about. You're right, and I mean a week ago, we were in a position where we believed maybe that was actually like it was trending in that direction. And then you, then you lose to a team that you should have blown off the field. You know, that's, that's why like you, you're right. Realistically, can those things happen? Sure. But they seem, they seem less likely at this point, you know, like you're a math person. So like, you know, you, you, you know, you, you, you do a lot of calculations and figuring odds and stuff like that. Like salty Virginia peanuts, had this in here, you know, scrap a lot of things, he said. We should focus on underclassmen development, get them experience for next year, and keep our recruiting classes. Make the offense fun again. I think there's a balance to it um, because you don't just want to scrap everything because you have a lot of upperclassmen who are still in this program, and you don't want to just cash your chips right now because, like, you know, one, if you start doing that, you're 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 three and three, if you just en masse start putting a lot of young guys in, you know, Tyler Eifert was trying to convince Michael Mayer apparently to just forego his whole season and get ready for the draft, not even play this season. You know, like what kind of message are you sending to a guy like Michael Mayer, who's obviously the best player you have on the field right now? Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing is like, you know, I, I heard someone brought brought up the other day. Foskey still has another year of eligibility. You know, what what does that look like for him? He's had a down down year, and does he want to you know potentially even kind of come back? So, I don't know. I, I guess people are saying I live in a fairy fairy tale land. You know, I, I this th- that's that's the crazy part about this team is they have the talent to lose to Stanford one week, but I have the confidence that they could very well beat USC the next week. You know, like this. This team can do that, and that's it's frustrating. Yeah, it's absolutely, and, and that's, and, and I don't know if that is is good or bad. You know, like when you're judging these, these coaches and this coaching staff, the fact that you could lose to Marshall and you know lose to a horrible Stanford team, and then possibly turn around and win those kind of games, and like the home and away thing, like you, you lost to Stanford to Marshall at home. What? What is going to happen when Clemson comes to town? You know, I just, man. Okay, fill in the blank. Going for it on fourth and two rather than kicking the field goal Saturday night was blank. Um, It was unexcusable slash not the right call. Uh, you, you block a punt, right? Uh, you, you, you block a punt. 
your your offense is playing bad. Stanford is obviously has all the momentum right now. The last thing you want to do is get stopped and put zero points on the board. You know, I respect the guts. I respect that you have that confidence in your team. But sometimes you just got to put it to the side and make the logical decision because I know hindsight is 50-50, but if they kick that field goal, guess what the final score is? 17-16, to 16, right? Well, that's assuming, you know, everything. You right, know, right. I know. That's Stanford what I'm, may have opted hindsight to, to that everything goes, you know, rather than yeah. the same, you know, after that. But still, I'm just get the points on the board. You know, I agree. especially after a big, you have to capital. It'd be one thing if it's a drive, right? Your offense drove all the way down the field, but your special teams made an amazing play. You got to make them feel rewarded and put some points on the board. You got to come away with that with points. I agree. And like, it's it's early still. It's the end of the first quarter. You're down seven, nothing. You're, you know, you're at the Stanford five. So I'm sure that, you know, some analytics say that that's when you should go for it. But they, you know, going back to this whole execution Thing, they hadn't executed. You had a touchdown called back because of the illegal formation. Drew Pine just sailed a ball that should have been a touchdown over Braden Lindsay's head right. you know, in the end zone. You didn't execute there. You get and bailed then, out on a third and long run by Pine. Exactly. It's third and 18. He has to scramble to gain 16 yards just to get him down to the five-yard line. You were fortunate just to be there. And obviously right. – that scramble and Pine picking up what he did swayed the decision quite a bit. If he even only picks up like six yards, it's an automatic. You're just kicking a field goal there. But it's like you 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 got very lucky that Pine was able to hit that run just to get there. And then what do they do? 13 personnel, three tight ends. You got a running back. And, you know, Thomas is split out to the right. So you've got 10 Stanford players in the box. And then you motion Thomas across the back to give him that jet sweep. So you bring all 11 into the box with that. Now, obviously, his momentum is carrying him one direction. But then Michael Mayer whiffs on his block. Eli Raritan is trying to block four players over there. And, you know, Raritan actually drives his guy backwards. He's the only, you know, he's one of the few guys who did his job correctly on that play. But it's just the decision... I think you take your points. The play call was just the worst. You know, like if you're going to go for it, there's so many other things that you should have done. But again, you've got 13 personnel, so you're not even spreading anybody out on that play. And then you run it right into the strength of their defense, which is to me what they did most of the night. So, yeah, you know, I mean, kind of what you were talking about. They had, you know, their first two drives before this, this block punt drive, they ran eight plays, had a total of 27 yards went three and out and then five and out, you know, yeah. you, you just got to get points at that point, you know, give your offense some confidence, get, get everyone some confidence. Absolutely. And they didn't. Okay. So Notre Dame opened as a 24 point favorite against UNLV scale of one to 10. How confident are you in wagering on the Irish the rest of the season? <laughs> you know, it's not, I, I'm not, I, I'm not disconfident in wagering. Uh, on Notre Dame. So I'll put this at like a seven. I'm not going to pick them to cover spreads. Um, I, I'll never spread bet Notre Dame. Um, I, I'll be okay with like taking alternate spreads. You know, I can confidently <laughs> maybe take some alternate spreads. Uh, in terms of them being a 24-point favorite against UNLV, I'd put my confidence uh, at a zero, you know, on that one, considering Notre Dame scores 24 points per game that, you know, that – that that let alone you got to score 20 
20, you know, you're, I'm, you're not going to beat them 24 to zero. So, you know, to me, I, I'm going to, I'm not very confident about that. And if I were everyone else, I would, I would lay the house on UNLV covering that spread because Notre Dame has to one score 24 points and then t- score 24 more than the other team on top yes. of that. Yes. They are three and three against the spread this season. And you know what the three losses are? Double digit favorites against <laughs> Cal, Stanford, and Marshall. Right. Three home games, double digit favorites in all three. And those are the three losses against the spread this season. Didn't cover in any of them. The only time their 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 game has gone over the point total as well, you know, like the over under for the point total was North Carolina. So I am zero. I, f- I would feel zero confidence wagering anything on Notre Dame this season just because they have been all over the map with everything they do. You know, I did feel confident that they would go over on that North Carolina. But, you know, just what you were talking about, Jess, if this team is really capable of losing to Marshall and to Stanford at home, and then, you, you know, like you were talking about, they could still theoretically beat Clemson and USC. If that's what they're capable of, how could you feel confident in wagering on them in anything if that's really what they're capable of? (laughs) It's just bipolarness almost is the best way to describe it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Fill in the blank. It's blank that the Tennessee Athletic Department is trying to get donations to raise $150,000 to pay for new goalposts after fans tore them down Saturday after the Vols knocked off Alabama. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, you got all these kids paying X amount of dollars. You're a public school. Uh, You know, you're getting all this money. Football brings in a lot of money. Obviously, you're an SEC school. You know, it's just ridiculous. You can afford a goalpost, right? Like, you haven't beat Alabama in how many years? You're telling me you don't want your your fans and student body to celebrate and tear down the goalpost and, you know, have controlled – you know, fun. Like, should they have done it? No, but it's controlled fun. You haven't beat Bama in like 15 years. You were horrible. You know, everyone ripped you for hiring. I, I can't say his name right. I think it's Huffinell. Huffin, I don't know how to say Heupel. it. Josh Heupel. You know, and they brought over the AD from UCF. Everyone just ripped him, right? Two years later, what's the guy do? He beats Alabama. You haven't beat Alabama in 15. Who cares? You make so much. Lost. You make yep. so much money. You You make that game alone, alcohol sales ticket sales sold out like come on that's that's a penny that's a drop in the bucket for them that's why so many of these schools you know lube up the goalposts so that fans can't take them because they don't want to have to spend the money i remember i think it was my first year i can't remember who they beat we were at kansas i can't remember if it was kansas state or or who it was it might have been cal came to town and cal had um they had a Heisman Trophy favorite running back. It was way before Marshawn Lynch. I can't think of his name though. But the you know the students tore down the goalposts, and there's a little lake outside the stadium. And then the next morning, the goalposts are in the lake over yeah, there. They took it and, to the lake. And like at Tennessee, they threw it in the river. There's a river that runs right outside the stadium there, and they threw the goalposts in the river, which I couldn't believe. But it's like. Come on, you! this is Alabama you just beat. This is the team that has been kicking everybody's butt, especially your butt, in the SEC forever. And it's been a million years, not a million, but it's been a couple decades since Tennessee has been legit. Legit, you know, obviously since Phil Fulmer used to be the head coach there, it's been a while. And and, and so now 
you're going to be too cheap to even pay for the goalpost being torn, torn down. Unbelievable. It's I would, unbelievable. you know, if if I would take a, a goalpost being torn down once in every 15 years, if that's the rate at which you want to be Alabama. Man, it doesn't matter. Like, Jonathan is just coming at us for everything today. First and only win for Kansas that year. This was... This was early 90s. They had a couple successful years under Glenn Mason in the early 90s. Glenn uh, Dana Stubblefield was there, a defensive lineman named Chris Mamalanga, I think, who played in the NFL for a little bit. Keith Loniker on the offense. They, they had some they had some decent guys on, on the lines on those. There you go. Thank you, my man. Javid Best. I believe that was it. <laughs> I believe it was Javid Best. You're right about that. I think that's it, David. Good call. Good call. All right, during Saturday's UNLV Air Force game, a referee went into the stands <laughs> to tell the UNLV band to stop playing when Air Force has the ball, which I think is kind of hilarious. But Pat Forty said the ref was literally grandstanding and could have either just gotten word to him by using you know one of those sideline microphones or just telling the UNLV sideline, hey, tell him to stop playing when you've got the ball. What do you think about all this? I thought it was hilarious. I watched the video actually. You know, the ref is walking. The, the the band isn't like you know first row. He's he's walking up. You know, through the section. He finds the the band or the you know the director or whatever you want to. And he's talking to him. And sure, that's a great point. But I'm sure that the refs have tried multiple times before that to tell him like, hey, you know, you got to stop. And they weren't getting the point. So I don't think the ref goes into the stands for no reason. We've never seen a ref right. do it. So obviously UNLV wasn't listening to probably, you know, prior, hey, you need to stop or, you know, prior kind of threats you might want to call him. And so the ref said, hey, you know, if he, if I go up to him and tell him to his face, you know, he's probably going to tell him, we've we tried telling you to stop. And if you don't stop, we're going to kick your whole band out. I think that was probably more of the giving a, a verbal threat of, hey, you know, you, you know, you're not supposed to do this. Please don't do it. And if you continue to do it, I'm going to have no choice but to kick the band out. So. I thought it was admirable. I enjoyed it. And I also thought it was funny at the same time. I do think it's funny. You know, you don't see a referee going into the stands very often to uh, to do something like this. You know, this might be something we have to keep an eye on this week with UNLV coming to town as well. You know, like the Stanford band has been banned for life from Notre Dame Stadium. They are never allowed to come back. So we didn't have an opposing band last week. What's going to happen this week when UNLV's band comes to town? You know, our, our are uh, the ushers, are the infamous Notre Dame ushers going to have to lay the smack down with uh, the UNLV running Rebel Band when they come into <laughs> Notre Dame Stadium this weekend? I thought it was kind of funny too, watching the the official, you know, climb up the steps. You know, I didn't think it, I, I didn't think he was grandstanding. I agree. You know, like I've got a feeling it was a recurring thing, and ultimately, you just got to put your foot down and you got to tell them you can't be playing when the other team has the ball. Yeah, Henry's putting his foot down right now. He's 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 not happy about something. If if anyone could see, he's in that little window uh, back there. He just took off, but <laughs> might have to get the official to come tell Henry to pipe down. I, he doesn't listen to me, so I I might need to. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so Bob Costas has been doing the TV play by play for the Yankees Guardians playoff series, which is concluding sometime soon it started what around four o'clock you know the the final game started earlier this afternoon because they got rained out yesterday but the reviews for Mr. Costas have been mixed at best here's a sample 
Twitter critique of Bob Costas. They said, Costas is great at the start, but inning six, down three runs. This bleep is annoying. Nobody wants to hear about 1902. Write a bleeping book. What have you thought about Bob Costas on the call for this series, Jess? Because I know you've been watching. You know, I, I I tweeted something out the other day. I can't remember what. I think it was before game game four, game three. Hey, why, why can't we just leave Bob Costas alone? I think he's doing a, a, a great job. Is <laughs> Jesse had to mute himself because Henry is just taking over this show on his head. He's trying to get Henry to settle down right now. Are, are you are you ready at that end? Has Henry piped down a little bit? Yeah, hey, there's just something running around outside. Okay. I, I don't know what's bothering. But, you know, more of the story is I just we – we it seems to me we as a society and especially when it comes you know as sports fans and and broadcasters and play by play we're always trying to find something wrong we're always you know Joe Buck is this Troy Aikman is that Kirk Herbstreit is this Bob Costas is that just just enjoy them I Bob Costas has a good voice he provides a lot of experience a lot of you know he's been to a lot of major sporting events I, I just think he does a good job does he get caught up in maybe some of the you know some of the stuff that people are complaining about here and there a little bit. On. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. But, you know, to me, I, I he's so insightful. Like, I, I enjoy it. I know he's, you know, the, the situation is never too big for him. Um, and so, yeah, I just, you know, it's just why, why can't we just sit back and say, oh, thanks, Bob Costas. You're doing a good job of calling this game. Like, why do we got to point out, you know, every broadcaster's flaws or why we don't like them or all those things? I, it just gets annoying after a while. Just, just enjoy the game. Enjoy it. Like. It's one, it's amazing. Bob Costas, this is the first full playoff series he has called in 22 years. 2000 was the last time he called a full play postseason series, which is amazing because, like, I grew up Bob Costas, NBC. You know, you had the NBC game of the week, he was the voice of baseball basically on TV. You had Bob Costas, Joe Garagiola, and that crew. You know, it was, you know, so like that's what, you know, you kind of grew up with when you were watching. Now, the, the the game of the week stuff obviously doesn't mean as much anymore. He comes from another time. He likes to let you know that he comes from another time quite often. Here's the biggest problem I have with Bob Costas. I'm going to play this clip. This is actually a home run from the first inning. This is John Carlos Stanton's first inning home run because I turned this game on. I knew we had this question tonight. Here's Bob Costas with the call of this home run and I'll, I'll so I'll, I'll I'll let you hear it and then I'll tell you the problem that I have with it afterwards okay Okay, so the problem that I have with that, I mean, technically, you know, the first part of it is a good call. You know, John Carlos Stanton, you know, right center field and gone. At that point, as soon as you say gone, you need to shut up. But what did Bob Costas do? He kept talking through the whole thing on TV. As soon as the call is made, this was Vin Scully was a master of this. As soon as the home run is out of the park and you say, you know, and gone or whatever you're going to say, you need to stop talking for a while. Let the crowd tell the story. Let, you know, hear the fans going wild. See the fans. He doesn't need to keep talking 
at that point. You know, lay out for a good 10 or 15 seconds and then go into all that stuff that he went into afterwards. That's the thing with Bob is it's just that there's been he hasn't let the broadcast breathe quite a bit. He's I, I love his voice. I love his enthusiasm. I love his passion for the game, all these different things. But he has he has kind of gone on a little bit too much at times. And I think that that's what you know, like you barely even know Ron Darling is there half the time. <laughs> and I think that that's what's got a lot of people, you know, kind of piped up. Honest Bob. question here. I and I know you would know this more and I, I just genuinely I can't remember. Um does uh does does Bob Costas when's the last time he did a baseball game? Does it is this is he does he a do playoff game? does he do playoff baseball games every year or is it just He's, when TB like I, I just can't remember the last time I saw Bob Costas do a, a baseball game. See, he doesn't. He's he's he works for MLB Network, so he'll do you know some MLB Network games and stuff like that, kind of here and there. But he doesn't call games on the regular like he used to. And like I said, it's been 22 years since he called a full playoff series. So he doesn't do it nearly as regularly as he used to. Maybe that's part of the issue. You know, like in, like he and and Darling obviously don't work together very much. They're doing it for what TBS, TNT, or or whoever. So so no, he doesn't he doesn't call a whole lot of games. <laughs> I just want to say that uh Mr. Brian NY, no one wants the Yankees to win, you know. I, I <laughs> no one's cheer you're you're celebrating like we all were like on our edge wanting the Yankees to win. Right. You know, the, the, the Yan- they couldn't even let the Guardians stay in one hotel last night. You know, they played an MLS soccer game last night, but the Yankees didn't want to play. So, you know, I, I'm not over here making excuses, but no one wanted the Yankees to win. And it seemed like the Yankees set themselves up real nice by not playing last night, you know, gave the bullpen an extra rest day, gave themselves an extra rest day for the Astros. And just a lot of things lined up uh, for the, for the Yankees on the back half here, but you know, that's just me. (laughs) Brian's going up. Yeah. Um, All right, let's go. Last question for tonight. Fill in the blank. It's blank that ESPN has has, uh, elevated. Scott Van Pelt's Bad Beats segment into a monthly 30-minute show that's going to air Sundays or that is airing Sundays at 5.30? Um, I, I think it's it's pretty fun, you know, overall. I, I, <laughs> I never, like, I would never personally want to be, you know, featured on my bet being on the Bad Bet segments because usually it's like, like, uh, what was the game the other night? I think it was, uh, was, was it Air Force? Did Air Force play UNLV? Was that who they played yes. last week? I, yep. Yep. Air Force got a touchdown with like 10 seconds left for a backdoor cover. And that's a bad beat. And I, I, I enjoy right. watching them and I think they're, you know, it's, it's funny to watch and like, it's enjoyable. And I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't want it to be me. So if, if it involves any of my bets, you're not going to catch me watching. Cause I'm going to be pretty upset. Like last year I had a, a nasty parlay and Josh, Josh Allen fumbled on like fourth and goal on that Monday night or Sunday night game. And I lost a lot of money because I picked the bills uh, to cover or to win on money line and Josh Allen, you know, screwed me. So, you know, I, I, I like, I like the segment. I think it's a good time. Um, and, and it's just good to see, you know, those crazy circumstances where like a guy hits a three at the buzzer, you know, before halftime and a team covers and that ruins right. the bet. Like it's just interesting seeing those different things. And it just shows that literally like every play has something riding on it now. And that's, that's yeah. what sports betting is kind of amplified in my opinion. Right. I, I like the segment on the show, like 
Jonathan was saying, just be, you know, on on Sports Center, because it's like you can kind of see, you know, kind of hit hit a few here and there. I, you know, it's cool that they're turning it into a longer form show. Sunday nights, though, like especially during the football season, shouldn't it be like on Tuesday nights or even Monday night or like not not in the middle of football on Sundays? That I, you know, so that's my only real issue with it. And I mean, like. I was just praying for a backdoor cover when when Kansas <laughs> was playing Oklahoma the other day, but it didn't quite happen. You know, they didn't quite get there. But yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's a great segment. I think it's a lot of fun. But you're right; it's like you know, you don't you don't want what are your games to show up on that because then you're just beating your head against the wall. I can't believe was Drug Vigo here the whole time, and this was the the first time we've heard. I feel like if he 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 just dropped is he a, here. I don't. Yeah, I he, seen. He dropped a comment, and it's like I've been waiting for his 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 Tommy slander the entire show, and then he just pops up with like one minute left. <laughs> Time for Tommy to be made like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for that, Vigo. That's going to do it for tonight, though. <laughs> thanks to everyone. As uh, David said, hit that like button on your way out if you would. It helps us out quite a bit yeah if you haven't already subscribed to this show go ahead and subscribe we're pushing twelve thousand. keep pushing that number of subscribers up on the youtube channel thanks for listening uh rate review subscribe like all that good stuff just great stuff from you as always go make henry some you know some some nighttime treats or something he's not he's not going crazy right now but yeah uh, i'll see everyone on thursday this is the last you'll hear me talk about stanford and everyone's favorite person tommy reese and we are on to unlv and what nerding can do well against unlv all right sounds good we'll talk to you tomorrow ib nation sports talk For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.